Thank you, Jeff. Rabbi Dan. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you uh, for thanking our clergy for the service. I thought you might thank me for not singing. Um, the first time we did this, we then went and had a post-game, and we watched the video of the service afterward, and I was just horrified at what I had heard from myself, so I said I would not be doing that again. But it's been great to be a Jew in the pew and just listen and follow along. Um, it's wonderful to have us all together this evening. I know it's a smaller crowd because we had a large crowd this morning, but it's great to be in synagogue and to have this sense of ruach and the sense of kavanah, which is the name that we gave to this service, a sense of spirituality and intentionality um, that I hope you're feeling. Um, there's a story that I wanted to share with you tonight from the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov was the first Hasidic master. Uh, his name means the master of a good name, and he was really the first teacher of Hasidism or Hasidut. And I was thinking a lot about this story as I was preparing for tonight, which largely meant not singing. That was my preparation, was how to sit in the congregation. But really to try to put into context, not just what we're trying to do here, but what, why this is necessary. Why it's necessary to break out of the norms of our service and to do something different. Um, and it's a story about Kavanah, uh, which as I said means intention, or as some rabbis have called it, heart pointing. Heart pointing. So I want to share the story briefly. I'll try to read as little of it as I can, but I didn't memorize it all. There was a king who loved music. And the king had a court musician who played beautifully all the time. But after a while, his playing got to be tired and bored. The musicians got tired of playing the same song over and over again, even though it was the king's favorite. It was the only song the king wanted to hear, and they got tired of playing it again and again. And it had less and less life to it each time. And so the musician told the king, they said, Your Highness, Your Majesty, I'm a little nervous about telling you this. I don't like to object or make any trouble. I like my head the way that it is. But I'm having a hard time being excited about this song. I've been playing it so many times, maybe too many times. The king recognized this and had also felt that the song had lost its luster, had lost its, its, its vibe. And the king had an idea. So he brought a guest into the palace and he asked the musician to play the song to the guest. Play the song for the guest. Play his song especially, his favorite song, especially for this guest. And the playing was wonderful once again. The, the song had life to it. It had meaning. It had purpose. And the guest made all the difference. The music was again filled with feeling and meaning. And every day, the king brought in a different guest. And every day, it had life and meaning. The musicians played that song over and over again with new excitement as he played for the new guest each new time. But eventually the king ran out of guests. He had brought in everybody that he knew. And then again the song lost its sense of purpose, it lost its meaning, it lost its fun, it became old and tired again. And the king thought and thought and thought and then because he was the king he had a great idea. Even if it wasn't a great idea nobody would tell him it wasn't a great idea. And the king decided to blindfold the musician. He blindfolded the musician, excuse me, it's not a birthday party, it's a same thing. He blindfolded the musician and he told him that a new guest was there to hear his playing, even though there wasn't any new guest. The musician imagined the guest and his playing was again filled with a great spirit. And the king did this every day and every day. And the musician found every day and every day new kavanah, new intention in which to play the king's favorite song. 
Saying a prayer with meaning is like shooting an arrow at a target. The most important part of shooting an arrow is not pulling back the bow and letting go of the string, but it's the aiming. The same thing is true of praying, I think. The rabbis teach that the secret to praying is to imagine God actually listening to our words. Like the musician who played blindfolded for those special guests, imagining them there, imagining them listening to the melody. And I want to note that I use the word imagine God listening rather than proclaiming that God is listening. A traditional Jew, one raised in yeshiva or perhaps portrayed on shtisel, if you've been watching that on Netflix like the rest of us, a traditional Jew may understand or, or, or view prayer as, or faith as taking knowledge, requiring knowledge to have meaning. But those of us who have a more tenuous or existential connection to prayer know that prayers of the service and the stories of the Torah, they take a willing suspension of disbelief in order to enter into the metaphors and to the meanings that are found within. Prayers, I think, in many ways are like a ladder. They're like a ladder that goes from where you are right now to where God resides within you. We point our hearts and we climb that ladder either up to God in our prayers or into God in our hearts. See, each prayer is a story. Each prayer is a narrative. And each story is a path that we follow in our hearts that leads us, hopefully, to the God that's inside of us. One of the core problems with Jewish prayer is the, the, the partner of Kabbalah, which is Keva. Keva is the fixed rubric of prayer. It's probably what most of us learned in Hebrew school. You do this prayer, and then you do that prayer. You pronounce it this way, you pronounce it that way. And that rhythm of the liturgy has really changed very little since we were kids. And it's a challenge for a lot of people's motivations. I've been doing this my entire life. After the Shema comes the Ve'ahavta. After the Ve'ahavta comes the Michamocha. Aleinu, I know we're almost at the Kiddush. And that's why we created this service. Because that sense of fatigue, it can emerge and it can deaden our prayers. We can lose our focus and our aim. That's also the essence of the story of the Baal Shem Tov that I shared. See, Sidur fatigue, it's nothing new. But here's the lesson. Even when there is nothing new, we need to create something new. Rabbi Nachman of Bratslav, whose melodies we also chanted tonight, taught that the greatest sin in the world is to do something for a second time. Think about that for a moment. The greatest sin in the world is to do something for a second time. Just like the king, we can't always find new visitors. But like the musician, we can imagine them. Each of us, at our latest moment of prayer, is different from the us that we were at our earlier moment of prayer. We need to look into that moment, into this moment, for the newness that we can find in it and bring to prayer in this time. Look in and find the newness that we can take from prayer in this time, in this moment. It's like walking a path that we travel every day, that familiar walk gives us a chance to think and associate because we know the way. So we're not going to get lost. We know where we're going to end up. But it's not about being lost. Our concern really should be, what will we find? We are different every time we walk that path. Though the path is the same, we are different. Every time we pray, 
we are also different. And in that difference within ourselves as we pray, we need to ask, what can we find? Can you hear that song? May it be God's will. Shabbat shalom.